hello, hello, and thank you for joining me again today. Last time I talked a little bit about safety behaviors and I touched on conditional safety learning, which I've had some questions about just because I know that that's not an everyday term. So I thought I would use today's episode to talk about that because condition safety learning is something else we really need to watch out for as well. Uh, I think we first though need to back up and just talk about learned fear because it generalizes really easily compared to learned safety. And I think that that's a really foundational sort of concept that we got to understand when we're working with kiddos who are pretty anxious. So learned fear, that's when there's, um, oftentimes there's been an actual situation that's happened, whether the person remembers it or not. So for example, the story that I always give, and I'm sorry that people are hearing my same story over and over, but it's such a good one. So I was bit by a dog when I was a baby and it was so bad that I had to go to the hospital. I have no conscious memory whatsoever of that incident, but I was terrified my whole life of dogs until recently, really, because our amygdala attaches a story this is our hippocampus, our memory, we attach a story and we remember that story. So the amygdala never forgot that dogs are dangerous. And so I had this story, not that I was consciously thinking that dogs were dangerous, but everything in my being was like, ah, dogs are dangerous. So my daughter, they, she had um, a really bad experience with dentists. Um, when she was younger, she had to get a tooth pulled and the whole process was terrifying. And of course, you know, the prankster mom that I was, I was joking around about it and be like, you got to get your tooth pulled. And then sure enough, she did. And so years later, she's still terrified of going to the dentist, even though that was only one time when she was itty bitty, she's had so many positive experiences over the years ever since, but her brain has never forgotten. So her brain has associated everything around that scary incident. It was really the the needle that scared her the most then she had no idea that anything else was really happening but even when that thing that originally caused the fear so in this case the needle even though it's no longer there we still have the fear so for me it was just the one particular dog in the one particular place right i've never seen that dog again in my entire life but for me, the rest of my life, any dog anywhere was terrifying. For my daughter, it wasn't just the needle that caused her the pain. She's never had to see that needle again or anything like it again. It's no longer there, but she still feels that anxiety, even just thinking about having to go to the dentist, even just sitting in the chair. So there's this conditioned learning where we're conditioned to think about something or we, or we learn to associate that painful needle with the dentist, with the dentist chair, with the hygienist, with the office. And it was even going into that neighborhood, she would start to get a little bit panicky. She'd recognize the turnoff and immediately, where are we going? We're not even close to the dentist yet, but we're just going in that direction and she's starting to get panicky. So we, we see this conditioned learning, it generalizes really easily to any sort of context around the situation, even though it was the needle, it just branches out. So even though we're just going to the store that happens to be in the neighborhood, not even right next to the dentist, in the neighborhood of the dentist, there's no dentist, no cleaning, no needles, she's still feeling anxious. So we have this neutral stimulus. So the neighborhood or the dentist or the dentist chair, it's it got nothing to do with anything, you know, causing her pain, but it's paired with this unconditioned stimulus, the painful needle. So the needle that she felt some pain with, that's unconditioned because that did create, 
you know, with some pain for her. So of course she's going to be anxious about that. Everything else becomes conditioned. So she has this learned sort of association that the neighborhood is part of the pain. And so therefore seeing the neighborhood is going to instill a little bit of anxiety. So there's this conditioned fear response that leads to anxiety. So, you know, in the case we, we create this anxiety through learning. And so, for example, we have a little guy, maybe he's crawling on the ground and out comes a spider. He's never come upon a spider before, never met a spider before. So it's a real neutral thing. The baby's like, oh, what's this cool thing? And he's just about to reach for it. Or maybe he's already got this cool thing that's tickling him on his head. It's crawling up. You know, he wants to explore. He's looking at the spider in walks mom who screams and she grabs the baby. Right. And it's just so sudden. It's so startling. And now the baby's scared. Guess what? Of the spider because it was this neutral thing. Now there's this huge reaction that scared me. The baby learns that the spider was the threat. The spider is scary, even though two seconds ago it wasn't. It was just something that I was exploring. So now we've got a kiddo who is scared of spiders. And so they associate that fear that they experienced with the context and everything around that context. If there was anything else going on, maybe there's a song, maybe he was eating a piece of fruit or something, you know, all of those things could potentially be associated with that fear. That the fear of learning really it's limitless. We can make unlimited amounts of associations, which just makes that anxiety stronger and stronger. So like the needle extended to the chair, just seeing the workspace where I have to come sit, now associating my hygienist and the dentist, his whole office, the whole neighborhood, the whole town, like it could just go on and on and on. It's limitless what they can become afraid of just from one situation. So that fear learning, it's so easy and it generalizes so easily. The example that I often talk about is little Albert. So he was 11 month old little baby. If you don't know it, he was initially, again, very curious. There's this cute little white rat that he was given very curious, was reaching out to touch it, right? Um, thought it was a cool little thing, but he was conditioned to fear that white rat because, you know, the experimenters paired it. They would hit a metal bar or something and there was this big startling sound. It scared him. And so he realized or he paired the rat is scary. And so even over time, they took that loud startling sound. Just seeing the rat was enough to scare him, even though it was the sound that was scaring him in the first place. But the thing is, even though they only taught him or paired the rat with the loud noise, it didn't stop there. It generalizes really easily, right? So they conditioned him just to be scared of the white rat, but he quickly became scared of anything soft and white and small and fluffy. Furry little bunny rabbits, a white little stuffy, even cotton balls he was scared of, like Santa's masks he was scared of. But it went further than that. It just wasn't soft white things. It generalized to other things like a brown bunny and a black fur coat. Totally, totally neutral, totally not dangerous. But his brain just all of a sudden was making these you know, limitless sort of associations. That fear learning, it really spread so quickly. Same to you with my daughter, with the needle, it spread to, to, to everything else that I was talking about. So that amygdala, it being right next to the hippocampus, which is our memory stores. So that fear learning, it really forms this long lasting emotional memory. And, and we remember those memories so much better than any happy, positive experience that we might have had. If there's any trauma, there's a lot of cues that can activate that memory.
you know, for my dad, it could be a chocolate bar, right? There's a lot of trauma just being in the United Nations. The kids, the biggest thing for him was the kids. So there could be little triggers. We People have been car accidents. It could be a song, right? It could be doing left-hand turns. It could be, you know, the smell of maybe they had air freshener. There's so many little things that could activate those memories. So that's the feared learning. Safety learning, on the other hand, I wish it was just so easy. Fear learning, easy. You don't need to do anything. It's like weeds. You need to do nothing. And they just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And they just take over, right? Safety learning is like your beautiful flower garden or vegetable garden. It needs a lot of <laughs> a lot of work for it to be able to grow. So when we look at the safety learning, you know, when we see something like a spider and there's no signal of danger, maybe spiders are kind of cool. Maybe spiders are kind of safe because there's no signal around us telling us otherwise, telling us that the spiders aren't safe. So safety learning around something that was anxiety provoking, you know, if, if it's not already created as a feared stimulus, it's going to be really hard to sort of, we don't unlearn it. And I'll be talking in another episode how our brain works in addition and not subtraction. We can't unlearn it, but it's really hard because we're trying to avoid the things we fear in the first place. So if that spider has already been associated with something scary, we're only going to reinforce that anxiety without ever learning anything different because we're always going to try to avoid all spiders, for example. Right. And so we're always going to have that anxiety there because we never have the chance to learn. Actually, spiders aren't very dangerous at all. Right. Or we have the safety behaviors that get in the way, which I spoke about last time. So the topic of today is really the problem with conditional safety learning that gets in the way. So there's all of these other things, but I wanted to give you a little bit of background. Safety learning is very context dependent. So with little Albert, even though they only taught him to be scared of the white rat, he became scared of everything else on his own. But they had to teach him not to be scared of the white rat, the bunny rabbits, the stuffies, the cotton balls, the Santa beard or Santa beards, the black fur coat. They had to teach, unlearn everything for him. So they only had to train him to be scared on one thing, but they had to train him to not be scared of every single thing. So safety learning, it just doesn't generalize. It's not the weeds, right? The weeds are the fear learning. You do nothing and it generalizes and takes over everything. That's part of the reason why so many kids, you know, they might seem to do better with anxiety. So we've worked on this, getting into school, but now all of a sudden, they're back to having problems going to school. We might work on it here, but it comes back over there because it doesn't generalize. Or I might be okay with these spiders at my playground, but man, if we go to the mountains, no way, those spiders are dangerous because it doesn't generalize. The fear generalizes, but not the safety learning. So when I talk about being context dependent, what I mean is that any learning is affected by the context. So that could include the people around them, where they are, the time of day, whether or not, you know, there's other safety signals around them to tell them that they're safe, even their own intensity of arousal. So the more anxious they might feel in the moment, the harder the learning is going to be. All of those variables can create conditional safety learning, which is what we need to avoid. So for example, uh, when I worked with a kiddo, you know, who's terrified of suffocating, I'm trying to use the same sort of examples so that you, you can kind of follow along and, and kind of get to know some of these kids. You know, she learned that even if she didn't have a water bottle, 
and this was kind of the first, you know, sort of things that we, we started noticing some of these conditioned, um, the context dependent safety learning. She knew even though she didn't have a water bottle, which had become the safety behavior because she was always carrying it around, she might learn that she was still safe with me because I knew CPR. So I could resuscitate her if she suffocated or just right next door to my office happens to be a doctor's office, right? So that could be context dependent too. Oh, it's okay. I don't need my water bottle because if I do suffocate, there's a doctor next door who's going to help me. So context matters just as much. So she might think, you know, I'm not having, but if she starts to create this, yeah, but it's the yeah, but the get in the way. Yeah, but but I still need to do it at school or at the dance or at my friend's house just in case. I got to bring my water bottle to all of those things, right? So I can do it with Caroline, but I can't do it anywhere else. That's not a good thing. No learning is really happening. There's still that safety line, right? And we got to get rid of that safety line. So our goal then is to instill this broad sense of sort of unconditional learned safety. That's what we need, that I am not going to suffocate with anyone I'm with or anywhere I am, it doesn't matter. I don't need to have my water bottle. I'm gonna be the exact same if I have my water bottle and if I don't have my water bottle. And most importantly, that I can handle it. As soon as they have, I'm safe because of this thing or this person or the time of day or any of those yeah buts, they're not learning. They're not learning that they can handle it. And so those stimuli only serve to reinforce the anxiety story, the beliefs that I can't handle it. I'm safe because of all of these other external things. Or for me, you know, with my fear of dogs, I had to learn that unconditionally, all dogs are pretty safe. Not just this one specific dog that I got to know in this specific place, right? Or dogs on leashes are safe. Those are, you know, limiting rules that we create. No, I got to learn all dogs are pretty safe. Doesn't matter where I go, what time of day, doesn't matter. So we really need to think about what our kids are learning. That's always forefront. What are we teaching our kiddos? From any of the work that we're doing with anxiety, we got to teach them anxiety wants them to believe I can't handle it. So we got to teach them I can handle it on my own without any gimmicks. I don't need my red sock. <laughs> I don't need my lucky stone, right? We need to make sure that they learn non-danger-based associations in lots of different contexts, with lots of different people, in lots of different places where anxiety is likely going to occur. So if you're working on spiders, but you're inside a mall, well, you know, anxiety is likely not to occur there. So we want to go to places where there's probably going to be some spiders. So we're just mixing it up. That's what we need to do is we're always mix, mixing it up and we're always making sure parents are mixing it up. You know, that's going to always be important every day as much as we can. And we really have to think about all the ways to mix things up. So, you know, we can look at the length of time. Some people will get over their social anxiety and they'll approach someone to say a quick hello if it takes 30 seconds. Oh, easy. Caroline, easy. I can do it now. Thank you. I'm done. But they create this, yeah, but, well, that was only 30 seconds. So there wasn't time to show them how awkward I am, right? There wasn't time for me to turn red or, or to get really anxious. So then we say, well, how long will it take for them to realize you're awkward? Oh, for sure. Within five minutes, like I can say hi, but I can't maintain a conversation for more than five minutes. And they're going to start thinking I'm weird, right? So they have this, yeah, but. So we need to keep pushing the limits because they start to create a new rule. I can do it until this point. Okay, 
okay, well, maybe five minutes I can't do, but for sure 30 minutes. 30 minutes is going to be horrific. Well, guess what? We need to go to 30 minutes. They got to learn. It doesn't matter. And with some people, yeah, it's going to get awkward. That's true for everybody, right? But they need to learn that in lots of different ways, different lengths of time. So that's where we could maybe mix up the length of time, right? To realize, hey, I can do it. And even if it is uber awkward, I handled it, right? I'm still here. And I didn't even care because that isn't even a person I cared about anyway, right? Or it's a friend and we kind of laughed about it and we moved on. We handled it. So even if the feared outcome comes, I still survived. At the end of the day, that's the big thing. Distance is another variable that we can switch up, especially when it comes to things we fear. So for a kiddo who's terrified of having his face ripped off by a dog, you know, seeing a dog across the street is very different from passing a dog on the sidewalk right next to me, which is still very different from getting right down, you know, nose to nose and letting it lick my face, which is still very different than laying down on the ground with dog, like a doggy biscuit on my forehead and letting them eat it right off my forehead, right? Because we are really open to getting our face ripped off there. <laughs> if they can do that, they're going to learn, oh, wow, none of these dogs are ripping off my face, even when I've got food on my face. We can also look at the time of day. I think that's a big one that people don't necessarily think of, you know, so I have people who are willing to go to the mall. Maybe there's a lot of social anxiety and they're willing to go to the mall on a Monday afternoon because it's not so crowded. It's not so loud. It's not so overwhelming. It's way more manageable. But we see a yeah, but yeah, but I can go to the mall only if it's Monday, right? I can't do it on a Saturday afternoon. So we have to show them they can go to the mall anytime they want, whether it's a Monday afternoon, a Saturday afternoon, if it's, you know, the middle of Black Friday or Boxing Day, right? It doesn't matter if there's a rush. It doesn't matter what time of day, they still can handle it. It might suck. You still might get overwhelmed, right? It might be loud. You might get a headache, but you survived it. And then who's with you? I can go to the mall as long as I'm with my friends. You can go to the mall with anybody. You can go by yourself if you wanted. You can do it. So just as we want to avoid safety behaviors in our work, we also want to make sure we're not creating new rules or new contexts, right? Or these sort of limitations that are limiting their learning with anxiety. So we're always on the lookout for those safety behaviors, but any of these rules that might be emerging or these yeah buts that might be emerging and making sure that we're mixing up what we do all the time. That is so critical, making sure that they are learning and that learning we have to actively make sure it's generalizing to every different situation that we can think of. It does take work, but it's super treatable, super doable, super manageable, as long as you're aware and able to do it. So thank you for joining me today, and I will see you next time. Mm -hmm.